Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Well, I'm a little biased maybe, but I think women can do anything. And so women are natural leaders and they bring a lot to the table just as their male counterparts do. Increasingly, if you give a woman a chance, the, the woman is going to excel. That is Barbara Barrett, a woman for whom the sky is truly the limit. Barbara Barrett is the U.S. Secretary of the Air Force, but that is just one of the many lofty positions she's held during an incredibly full career that encompasses everything from running businesses to ranching cattle. I'm Alain Verveer, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We're bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. Before she was Secretary of the Air Force, Barbara Barrett was U.S. Ambassador to Finland, the Vice Chairperson of the U.S. Civil Aeronautics Board, and Deputy Administrator of the Federal Aviation Administration. By the time she was 30 years old, she had been an executive with two global Fortune 500 companies. And if that doesn't impress you enough, Barbara Barrett is both a cattle and bison rancher and is certified for space flight. I've had the privilege of knowing Barbara for many years and was delighted to have this opportunity to talk with her about her job, her life, and her advocacy for women. Let's listen and learn why Barbara Barrett is one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. It is such a pleasure for me to be here today speaking with the Secretary of the Air Force. Madam Secretary, welcome. Thanks so very much, Milan. Great trait to hear your voice. You are indeed uh, the Secretary of the Air Force of a woman in that position, uh, and a very accomplished woman, I might add, in many ways. 
But perhaps we could start by your telling us what the responsibilities of the Secretary of the Air Force are. Well, the Secretary of the Air Force is the protector of one of the basic precepts of American government, the civilian leadership of the military. So the 695,000 airmen, guardsmen, reserve, the 695,000 people who work for the United States Air Force or Space Force are under the civilian leadership of the Secretary. So this, the Department of the Air Force, as of 11 months ago, now has two parts, the Air Force and the Space Force. So my role as Secretary of the Air Force is civilian leadership and the preparation of those airmen and space professionals to be organized, trained, and equipped to be, uh, if called by the uh, chain of command, to, to fight. It is my duty to have them organized, trained, and equipped and ready to go. So in that uh, regard, we are duty-bound to prepare our men and women to uh, do everything we can to support the national defense strategy. And increasingly, women are engaged in the military today. Why is it important to have women in the, in the uh, service? And it's always been interesting to me that the Air Force has the highest percentage of women in the uniformed services. Why is that the case? You must have a view on why the Air Force is so successful in recruiting women. Well, I, I maybe I'm biased and would just say it's the best of the services, but uh, let me get more analytical than that. You know, first, historically, military has been perceived as being a bastion for upper body strength. Historically, uh, that might have been a key factor, but less so in the air and space forces. And so the Air Force and the Space Force have been among the leaders in being a much more inclusive environment for women. And of course, continuing with the great work of men. While it is the case that only 21% of the United States Air Force um, are women, it is the service with the most women, but the incoming class, for instance, or the class currently at the United States Air Force Academy is uh, over a third women. And uh, some would say that women don't pick fights. I think there's a lot to be said. Women are not the lead combatants if there are generalities to be gained, but I would say don't get between a mama bear and her cubs. So women don't pick fights, but they are quick to say that if they're, if a fight needs to be had, women are, uh, are, uh, want to end it fast and are, are, uh, lethal. So upper body strength is no longer the rule. Uh, women are perfectly capable and do a great job. And America would be law at a loss if we eliminated from consideration 50% of our population. The uh, women do a great job. And let me just say, you may recall that earlier this year, uh, the uh, one of the bases in Iraq uh, was attacked by an Iranian missile cadre. It was a woman in uh, at a military base, at an air and space base just outside of Denver that saw, that observed the anomaly that suggested there was a missile launch, who took the immediate action to notify the uh, bases, got the message to the base that there was incoming. The 
airmen and uh, and soldier sailors, airmen and Marines at the base took cover and not a life was lost, but many would have had it not been for that early warning. That was a woman-led team and women are doing a great job for the military. Such an extraordinary story. And I think it's fair to say no surprise to either one of us uh, that women are so excelling uh, in this way today. Speaking of excelling, um, Barbara Barrett has had an illustrious career. Uh, And I wonder if we could start at the beginning. Where did you grow up and what was your upbringing like? Because as we get into this conversation, our listeners will hear how indeed remarkable you have been. Oh, well, well, I grew up, my dad had, had been a cowboy um, in, in Arizona. Um, we grew up uh, on a little subsistence farm in the hills of Pennsylvania, um, Indiana County, Pennsylvania. There were six kids and, and my parents. My father died of a heart attack when I was 13, and I was the sole source of income for six kids and my mother um, when I was 13. So I was. Uh, I learned early on that uh, there are. It's a no excuses world, and um, and I think that maybe a farm life is one of those settings in which uh, you you get the job done, and uh, and that was a big key part of my formative years. Was there a key formative experience that led you to becoming Secretary of the Air Force? Was there something in from the growing up period to today, that also was significant? Well, Milan, I think about when I was a, a little girl, I don't know how old, probably four or five years old. I remember one time sitting on the tractor seat while my dad and a neighbor were working on the front of the tractor. And the, the neighbor, a, a former teacher, asked the perennial question of what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was already conditioned to believe that I had three choices. I could be a teacher, a secretary, or a nurse. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know then that I passed out at the sight of ketchup. And so <laughs> I made the uh, rash decision that I thought, I said, well, Miss Fleming, I think I'd like to be uh, a nurse. And uh, my dad didn't turn around. He didn't, uh, no eye contact. I just heard four words come from my dad. He said, why not a doctor? And those four words were a revelation that opened my eyes that I wasn't limited to teacher, secretary, or nurse, that I could be other things. I could A woman could be a doctor. I had not previously conceived of that. But with that, with those four words, my, uh, the, my peripheral vision was open to a lot more opportunity and a lot more uh, potential. That is a fabulous story. Uh, and a father's confidence in his daughter. I just love hearing that. You're obviously in government today uh, in this very high-level position in our military as a civilian, but you've also had a long-time career in private industry, in other kinds of government service. I'm not going to ask you what your favorite pursuit was, because it's probably like asking you who your favorite child is, (laughs) which wouldn't be fair, because knowing you, I know that you have excelled in all of them and brought your kind of vision and energy to them. But it would be interesting to know, have they challenged you in different ways? Uh, And maybe you can tell us some about the positions in the private sector and in government. They certainly have all been different and challenging, of course, um, and fun 
and fulfilling in different ways. Yes, I think I think about my diplomatic role to serve as ambassador of the United States to Finland, uh, to represent your country, whatever country, but especially, uh, maybe it's chauvinism on my part, but especially to represent the United States in a distant land is a privilege and a responsibility beyond compare. So that on the diplomatic side would have been a favorite. But in business, our, our we have a little hotel guest ranch uh, in Montana called Triple Creek Ranch. And to have a tiny little 30 cabin or 30 room hotel rated the number one hotel in the world by Travel and Leisure magazine was a pretty fulfilling moment for us. Um, to serve as the president, interim president of Thunderbird School of Global Management, working with those young people from all over the world, that was a, a great privilege. But nothing quite compares to serving as Secretary of the Air Force, working with those extraordinary men and women of the Air Force and Space Force who have signed up to die for their country, people who are as selfless as you'll find anywhere in any business, and people who have the courage to run to the sound of the gunfire. They, they are the ones, I just met with a young man in, in uh, Tucson, Arizona, who uh, observed a car crash and while others saw the smoke and the gas pouring through the from the car as it was overturned, he ran to get the baby out of the back seat and the mama from behind the steering wheel and to rescue them while others were fleeing. That is the, the essence of the United States Air Force uh, and Space Force. Those are the kind of people I have the privilege of working with in this role. Nothing could be a higher privilege. Indeed, and so well said. There's been a, a lot of conversation, ongoing conversation, I might add, about women and leadership. We've been talking most recently during COVID about how certain women heads of government or state uh, have done exceptional jobs. What have you learned about women and leadership from your own diverse background, as you described? It covers so many sectors and have been different. Your pursuits have been different along the way. Have you learned any particular lessons that would be interesting to our listeners about the role of women in leadership? Well, I'm a little biased maybe, but I think women can do anything. And so women are natural leaders and they bring a lot to the table just as their male counterparts do. Increasingly, if you give a woman a chance, the, the woman is going to excel um, I was a math major. There are a lot of things that are, there are misperceptions that women can't do things. And math is one of those things that is often on the list. The, the, breaking down those misperceptions and often unconscious biases uh, will open lots of opportunity uh, and greater opportunity to women, which will add to the capabilities of our institutions, both business, government, private, um, and academic, uh, their women are perfectly capable of leading in all of those sectors, and they are demonstrating it. Well, I share that bias, and I, I, listening to you mention being a math major, we need more women math majors. So I hope they're out there enrolling. Well, it's it's exciting to see the programs for for girls to get involved in the STEM field. Mm -hmm. And I worked a lot with Sally Ride uh, and her program to open 
opportunities and open the uh, eyes and enthusiasm of girls for programs that they might not have otherwise been informed of or included in. And it's a joy to see women leading and they are doing that in ever so many fields. I had the privilege of working with Dr. Wanda Austin at the uh, Air, uh, the Aerospace Corporation, um, another woman doing exceptional work and leading in when often it's a metaphor for something hard. She was a rocket scientist or she was the leader of rocket scientists and and um, would would be judged against her predecessors in that role, she would be judged as an equal or a better of uh, all of those who preceded her. And it's really wonderful to see how these fields have opened up to women and how women have embraced them. And Sally Ride is right up there at the top as well. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear will be back after this short break. There are choices that can change your life like the choice to start routine colorectal cancer screening at age 45. It's one of the most common cancers for women and men, and it doesn't always have symptoms. But there's good news. Routine screening can catch colorectal cancer early and even prevent it. And there's even better news. You have screening options. Make the choice to put your health first. Talk to your doctor about your screening options or visit cdc.gov slash screen for life for more information. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. TIKA.com. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. I know uh, when you were ambassador to Finland, because I think it was then that I met you for the first time, you played just an extraordinary leadership role on women's economic empowerment. And it, it was in many ways a period in which greater awareness uh, was placed on women's economic participation and particularly for women-owned medium and small businesses. Why did you see that as a, a part of your position that you use so effectively uh, to put a spotlight on this sector? Well, I've been an advocate for women-owned businesses for a long time as a woman business owner um, from uh, from my childhood. I've been involved in business, but I also, especially Milan, as you recall, working in Afghanistan and seeing the importance for women in Afghanistan, a country torn by war for decades of war, uh, if there is to be an economy of a, a legitimate economy, much of that is going to be 
prosecuted by women. It will be women that will deliver the goods. And so, as you may recall, we started a program in Afghanistan to uh, that we called Artemis, a program to train, mentor, and uh, resource women business owners in Afghanistan. And that program that was founded under Thunderbird uh, became a program that was not just at, in Afghanistan, but also in over 60 countries around the world, helping women that have small businesses, helping them build and grow those businesses, and helping them have a network of other women that can offer counseling and advice locally, and a network that's established globally by uh, their coursework of classroom work, site visits, mentoring, and resource building uh, for these women from Afghanistan and from the other countries. You know, I, I still have wonderful memories of going out to Thunderbird, and uh, it was a, a time when you convened a number of Afghan women uh, in a program, and to see how much they learned, uh, how they thrived, and the contributions they are making to this day, uh, which are going to be critical to the future of their country, was really remarkable. You've had this ability, uh, commitment, I might add, to really taking the the possibility that women can do often don't have the opportunities and really enable them to fulfill their potential and so in the in the private sector working in these various roles you were promoting the, uh, the role of women as business women which we now know from all the data and research is so incredibly important to growing economies but you also have been on many boards, uh, so you've seen this world from another perspective. Uh, why getting women onto boards? Why is that so important? And it's something that we're learning more and more each day. Well, women in any leadership role, uh, it's important to have women in any leadership role. Uh, failure to include women just shortchanges the institution. If you eliminate 50% of the world's talent, um, we you can't be successful. When you th and especially if we think about it from an American perspective, um, we have economic competition around the world today. America's population is comparable to the population of China, but except China has an extra billion. We cannot waste talent in our nation and expect to be able to compete on the globe's global stage. And therefore, not just at the um, uh, support roles, uh, but in all roles, including top leadership, women have an important role to play and women bring value. Uh, I, I, you've seen many times the correlation between the more the uh, corporations that don't have women on the boards have a lower return on the investments. Uh, it, it is uh, now data supported that women bring value and we need to help our companies to recognize that. And I think most corporations, almost every responsible corporation today is an inclusive board. And that structure is, is important to their success. And I can confess that as a shareholder in companies, uh, I have long felt that if there are not women on the board, uh, when it comes time to vote my shares at the end for the annual meeting, I find it uh, difficult to vote in favor of a company that has not included women on their board or in their top leadership. So I, uh, I often 
uh, am a no vote or an abstain vote, usually a no vote if it's a company that doesn't have women on their boards. So interesting to hear that. And you know, uh, it's becoming a phenomena in many ways shared with other women as well, women who invest in companies, for example, and um, want to see uh, how their investment is paying off in terms of that company's commitment to management, to boards, et cetera. So it's, it's another development that in a way you have been such a part of that today has so much greater currency than it once did. <laughs> I was once on a board um, and, and it was a large-ish board and had only one other woman. Um, and I had for several years presented lists of names of very capable, very qualified women. Pick one. What's the profile you're looking for? Here are some people that could come on this board. Here's that would make us better, make us stronger. And and for uh, after three turns, it, it never was persuasive. And then they came to me and asked me to be chair of that board. And I said, no, I cannot sit at the head of a table that has only one other woman at the table. And if I'm not persuasive enough for you to bring on other women, then I should not be at the head of the table. I will not accept the chairmanship of the board until you have at least six women on this board. And so then they got to five and asked me again. And I said, if we're headed for six, I'd be happy to serve as chair. So I, I did. But um, but it took some some um, strong stronger opinion or some uh, strength to decline a leadership role in order to make sure we get other women on the board. I love that. That's an excellent model uh, that hopefully others can can follow up on as well. One of the things that's intrigued me about you over the years, you are a licensed pilot and you've trained for spaceflight. What does that say about you? I don't know what it would say about uh, about me, but at what it what it might say, though, is about our time, about what it is as a time in history. I mean, it really, Milan, I, I think we happen to be alive at a very significant time in history. When you think about that a person from a farm, a farm kid from Pennsylvania who um, had no expectations of getting beyond a bachelor's degree uh, and that was a big stretch to be able to train to go to space. We live in a time when, without that having been my career goal, I had that privilege. It says a lot about what is happening at this particular time in history. We think about what the research that's being done in biomedicine, uh, in subatomic particulate, uh, subatomic physics. Um, when you think about astronomy and what we're fighting, you know, 20 years ago, we were wondering whether any place in the universe that we could ever find would have the conditions where life could survive. And now we have, we have thousands that we know have those kinds of conditions and would be candidates for life on different, uh, on, in, in other solar systems. It's an extraordinary time to be alive. And I guess that if we're fortunate enough to be alive at this time, we ought to explore what we can, uh, both in the physical world and in our um, uh, in the theoretical world. So I'm an explorer, and uh, I guess I, it, it's hard to shake that out of me. 
Uh, but it's so lovely to hear you are indeed an explorer. Uh, and I, I like that embrace of um, opportunity and possibility and uh, really understanding how, how to uh, take advantage of it in many ways today. But it's also a time of great challenge in our world, and we're living through this pandemic right now. Uh, and a lot of people are hurting. And I wonder if you could share with us as a final question, what gives you hope? You just beautifully talked about the sense of opportunity in these times, but what provides hope in difficulty? Uh, you know, I think humans show their best in a time of difficulty. You don't really test some someone or some society's mettle until there is a time of difficulty. I think about our wonderful uh, Air National Guardsmen around the country. They're facing hurricanes. They're responding to wildfires. They've got the pandemic. They're working on civil unrest. We've got Afghanistan and Iraq going on. Yet these people every day show up for work. They volunteer and they come to work and they run to the sound of the gunfire. These, uh, it is, I take hope from seeing the extraordinary selflessness of mankind and uh, the leadership that we see here in the United States Air Force and Space Force. So I, the more I see of our young people today and the people in our military, the more I am inspired and, and infused with hope. Thank you so much, Barbara, for your sense of hope, but for your ongoing commitment, your dedication, your leadership. You're just a, a wonderful a role model in so many ways, uh, and you make a difference. You always have. So the Honorable Barbara Barrett, Secretary of the Air Force, it's so great that you were with us today. Thank you, Milan. I want to thank Barbara Barrett for joining us and sharing her extraordinary insights. Here are some of the lessons I took away from our conversation. First, sometimes all it takes is a few well-chosen words to shift our thinking and make us see the possibilities in life. For Barbara, who grew up on a farm, that happened when she was a little girl and told a friend she planned to become a nurse. Four words from her father, why not a doctor, opened up her worldview and set her on the path of achievement to today becoming the U.S. Secretary of the Air Force. Secondly, we need to recognize that women's full participation is what makes countries prosperous and competitive on the world stage. As Barbara says, if you eliminate 50% of the world's talent, you can't be successful. Finally, if you believe in women's value, you need to take a stand. Barbara once refused to accept the chairmanship of a large board of directors because the board had so few women. When the company expanded the number of women directors, she took the job. That's leadership. And that's Barbara Barrett. Tune in on Thursday to learn about our next featured woman and discover why she's one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. If you like what you heard on the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. 
We hope you'll join us for our next episode of 100 Women to Hear, where we can all listen, learn, and get inspired. Have a great day. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.